0: Well hello you awesome nerds, welcome back to Pitch Slapped, my name is Kayleigh Hillier and this is Pitch Slapped, the Pitch Perfect podcast, where I literally love to cover anything to do with Pitch Perfect. And today, not only have we got some great fan fiction highlights with just one of those great in-depth stories that could have been after Pitch Perfect 3, Becca being a terrible boss, and Becca trying to uh, be sweet and propose to the love of her life, Chloe Beale. And our highlight of today's episode, we'll be looking at another scene from Pitch Perfect. We are working our way through the movie, and this time we're stopping off at the Activities Fair. First, though, let's take a look at our actor news. This week on Actor News, Elizabeth Banks has shared that her show, Shrill, which she is an executive producer on, will be returning to Hulu on the 7th of May. And apparently this is going to be the third and final season. Elsewhere, Hannah May Lee has been a guest on the KKSTC podcast, which is a comedy horror show. Interesting how they mix those together. But... On that, she will be taking on a quiz show killer. So read into that however you want to. But Tana May we know she likes doing horror stuff. And it's horror and comedy. And there's going to be a killer on the loose during a quiz show. It sounds such an odd concept. I'm intrigued. Very, very intrigued. Also... This week, if you were anywhere on TikTok, Ben Platt has been teasing us. He's been telling us new music's coming out and then he decided to just kind of drop a little tease on his TikTok of him sat on the floor with his beloved dog singing, singing to his dog. And the caption just says that his single is going to be coming out next week. So watch this space the new Ben Platt single is coming out next week. I am so excited. And just from the snippet on his TikTok video, his voice still sounds amazing. I mean, it's, it's Ben Platt. And you're, you just listen to it and you're like, oh, my word, Ben. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. And of course, we couldn't do our actor news this week without mentioning Anna Kendrick. Let's be fair. Anna Kendrick was at the BAFTAs on Sunday. And as soon as the pictures dropped and the clips were out, man, what what can you say about that? First of all, it was lovely to see her on screen. and, And she was in Los Angeles as part of the BAFTAs. And she presented the best adapted screenplay. And her outfit, like her whole outfit makeup hair accessories everything was just elegant it was so good she looked stunning my word considering the fact that she had done the kids choice award earlier in the year and went for quite a cute outfit there and then she does this and it was like just a reminder to everybody yes this is anna kendrick and she is super hot and she knows it she can go there she's not messing around you know she knew what she was doing she looked amazing she can do the kids choice awards and then come to a major award show and just steal it with that look it was amazing and the pictures that came out i loved everybody's reactions on social media it was just so much fun it's been a while as well since we've had like a proper red carpet look from Anna Kendrick and that one was just the pinnacle of excellence. It was such an amazing look. As I've said before, it's stunning. I mean, I, I'm not going to go over that anytime soon. That is our actor news for this week. We delve into the activities fair this week and I've asked the writer Isa Cabrell to join me as we take a look at the activities fair and just kind of break it down a little bit. So on the podcast, we have been watching through scenes from Pitch Perfect and I've been having creators come on and we'll talk about a scene. And it's amazing how much we can talk about these tiny little scenes from the movie. And this time I'm very, very excited because I feel like this is quite a key moment in the movie. I agree. Yes, not only do we get to see a lot of Barden, but we also get Becker and Chloe's first moment.
1: Yeah, I think that's why it's one of my favorite scenes because I think a lot of people find the shower scene, the the, the actual the Chloe moment we got in the movie, but like for me, it's the activity is fair. Because of, so much is happening and he, yet you get these key but Chloe moments that they just spark everything up.
0: Yes, I'm so excited to have Iza come on with me and talk about this scene because there's so much that we can break down. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thank you for asking me.
0: And for those who don't know, who are you? Because you, you're on the Tumblr and on AO3 and everything.
1: Yes, I'm no one but you on Tumblr and Twitter, and my Ao3 is actually my real name. It's Isa Cabral.
0: Awesome. I hope I say it right when I, because I never know <laughs> when I
1: say people's
0: usernames whether or not I've got them right or not.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't think I was hoping my username wouldn't be too difficult. So my username is actually the name Brit chose for her bachelorette party. She was using the hashtags Snow One But You and the final Snowdown. And I, I called my BFF and he, I was like, which one of these is better? And he was like, Snow One But You. And I was like, okay, so let me change my URL.
0: I love that. It is so catchy as well, Snow One But You. And who doesn't love a good pun?
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> we have that in common, Snow and I. We 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 like very good puns. <laughs> So yeah, if you want to check
0: out any of Izzy's stuff, you're on Tumblr and Ao3. I mean, you've written a load of stuff, so uh, I have. Yes. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I've been writing for Pitch Perfect since 2016, so there's a lot of stuff out there.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. Yeah, and you're you're all the way
1: in Brazil. I am. Yes, I'm from Brazil. And I actually, I started joining fandoms outside from Brazil when I was about, I think, 14. Because before I was in fandoms, but I was in Brazilian fandoms. And we were like chatting on on Brazilian forums and stuff. And then the internet happened, like it became a big deal. And then I started joining Facebook and Twitter and eventually Tumblr. And I found out, oh my God, these people are into so much stuff that I I didn't know about. And I started getting into it a little bit by little bit. And then when I realized here I was.
0: And here you are now. That is it.
1: (laughs) It was difficult at first because of the language barrier. But then it eventually became something natural because the fandoms I started to join were fandoms that used the English language a lot. So it kind of became like easier to make these associations. I didn't have to keep translating stuff. So
0: what is your main language? Is it Portuguese?
1: Yes, it's Portuguese. Portuguese. In Brazil, we speak Portuguese, but I speak a little bit of Spanish and English, of course.
0: Oh, wow. So I'm always intrigued. What is it like trying to write then in English if it's not your main language?
1: I've always had a very good grasp on how people talk, how they say their speech patterns and stuff. So if I'm watching something in English, I will pick up their speech patterns in English, of course. And then when I translate this to writing, I try to hear their voices when I'm writing. And if I write something and it sounds like something that person would say, I'm like, okay, I'm getting this down.
0: I love that. That's such a good way to do it. Yeah. So delving into Pitch Perfect then, when did you get into the movies? Because this is what it's all about today.
1: Yeah, well, I watched the first two movies when they came out. And actually, the first thing I realized was the Chloe. But at the time, I was was watching it with my cousins and they were they didn't see the Chloe, of course. And every time they showed up on screen, I was like, oh, my God, just pay attention. It's their love story. It's not about the guy. And then I got banned from watching it with them because I wouldn't shut up about the Chloe. So I, I, I kind of left it out a little bit, I like pushed it aside, dove into other fandoms like Grey's Anatomy and Resilient Isles, but both of those fandoms died pretty quickly when the the either the show ended or the couple broke up and I was like, oh my God, I need a new obsession because I can't just <laughs> float around like this. And then I remember it was like, oh my God, yeah, I used to like those girls from those movies. Let's try and see because I was like, I'm not gonna start liking them before I started reading the fix. Because if I don't like the fix, then I won't engage as much with the fandom. So the first thing I did was uh, I went into AO3, and then I typed back and Chloe, and I started looking for fix. And uh, about like three fix, and I was like, oh my god, I'm sold. This is it. I went back to Tumblr and I started reblogging stuff and looking for people and that was it.
0: <laughs> I love that, especially the fact that you got kicked out for talking about the Chloe too much with your family.
1: Yes, it, they, they found it very annoying because I wouldn't shut up every time that like the Activist Fair, they were like talking and stuff and I was like, how can you not see it? They're totally smearing with each other
0: the nice thing is, is that you sort of, a few years later, you then found all the B'Chloe shippers online.
1: <laughs> yes. Thank God, because I was like, oh my God, if this is a not dead fandom, I'm screwed because I don't have anywhere else to go now. But no, actually it's something that amazes me. The fact that the fandom is still very much alive. And we had our last movie on 2017, I guess. And it's like a lot of years later and we're still here. We still, you you make the podcast. We have the Chloe Week. We have Pitchmas. We have so much stuff happening.
0: I think that's the thing that I've loved delving into the fandom. I haven't been in it very long, but being able to see people just being inspired to keep writing and keep creating and especially Becca and Chloe, but even other ships, people just being inspired as to what to do with them, where to take them next and just... It just keeps going, and I love it.
1: Yes, exactly. I told my my best friend, I'm going to mention him a lot because he is the reason I started writing for, for the fandom. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah. And I was talking to him, and I was like, it's like a disease because everything I watch, everything I read, I, I started tracing parallels with Becca and Chloe. I'm like, oh my god, this could be Becca. Oh, this or this could be Chloe. And then it somehow it turns into Nau for me. Like, oh, I can write this. I'm going to adapt this story for them. I have the same problem now as like literally. You will watch something and then it just like
0: click, and you're just like, I can't unsee it. Like everywhere,
1: you again. can't unsee it, and it's like, how can I bring this to the fandom? How can I share my, my vision with them? It's amazing.
0: <laughs> I mean, you gotta love it. I wouldn't want it any other way, me neither. <laughs> so, I'm quite intrigued. You mentioned that it was your best friend that got you into writing in the fandom,
1: yes, because uh when uh i found the fix and i was like oh my god i'm going to ship the chloe and stuff i came back to tumblr and i started reblogging a bunch of stuff and one of my tags was i guess i'm in it now or something about trash like i'm i'm the chloe trash now something like this and then he sent me an ask saying welcome to the trash can honey Oh, my God. Thank you. Such a warm welcome. And we started talking and he is from Puerto Rico. And we started talking and we found out we had a lot in common. Not only from the English fandoms I've been on, like Grey's Anatomy and Resident Isles, but also from Brazilian fandoms I had been in when I was younger. And we have this band we were a fan of. We bonded over a bunch of stuff. And then I started talking to him because I used to write for my Brazilian fandoms, but for Grey's Anatomy and Brazilian Isles, I kind of did for a while, but not very much. I wrote one or two fics because I loved them, but I couldn't really hear their voices when I was writing. And we started talking about the Chloe voices, like how they speak, and what do you think they do and stuff and he has very good ideas about it he hears the same stuff that they say so when i'm writing when i told him oh my god i have this idea i want to write it and he was like i can help you so we opened the doc and i started writing and he started correcting me and some stuff and when the finished product came out i was like okay, I see what you mean. And then not only he became my best friend, but also he became my beta reader. Oh,
0: fab! That's amazing!
1: Yeah. So he helps me a lot. Everything I put out, I'm like, dude, you have to see this because I'm not sure about something or like, do you think this is working? And then he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Or sometimes he just, hold on, let me work on this. And then he, he throws a bunch of stuff and I work around it.
0: Oh, wow. So did you meet through the Pitch Perfect fandom then?
1: Yes, we met through Pitch Perfect on Tumblr and then never let each other go ever since.
0: That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And then just sort of think about like where you are now and the things that you've been able to do. And I know I've spoken to other writers about finding a good beta and somebody that you can trust to show your work to. And it's amazing that you've been able to find that and find these amazing friendships through the fandom?
1: Yeah, he was the the main one, the first one I found. He was actually my first Pitch Perfect friend because immediately as soon as I got in the fandom, he reached out and we became friends. And then I was actually very nervous about doing the this writing thing at first, but then he helped me and then I started writing and I met a lot of other great people through it. And in fact, it also helped me be- become friends with another author that I really liked from my former fandoms. And I saw she was into Pitch Perfect too. So I immediately messaged her, took a leaf out of his book and sent a message to her and started talking. And now we're very good friends because of Pitch Perfect.
0: See, the Bellas just, they bring so much, isn't it? Yeah. That's-
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. This movie is all about the friendship.
0: It really is. That's amazing. So today we're delving into this big scene from Pitch Perfect 1, the Activities Fair. I mean, there's so much in there that we could kind of delve into. I know that I've watched it a few times in preparation for what we're going to talk about today. The interesting thing with the Activities Fair, because it looks like it's on the same day as they arrive in
1: Boston. Yeah, it's sort of like the ori- orientation day, I think, right?
0: Yeah, and she's in the same it, clothes and...
1: Yeah, she just moves in and then she goes to the activity sphere, I guess.
0: Yeah, and, and it's like the excuse to get away from her dad, who's yeah. like pounding her about making college a, a thing and giving college a chance. He's
1: being very peppy about college, I, w- I would be annoyed too. <laughs> So
0: as we're delving into this then, my first thought as, as I was watching it, I was like, do you think Becca would have gone to the activities fair if her dad hadn't hounded her? Like if she wasn't looking for an escape?
1: Not at all. I don't think she would have at all. She would have just laid on her bed and started thinking of ways to get out of staying in Barden. <laughs> That's what I think she would have done. But then her dad started started hassling her talking about all of these college things. I think that the main thing about Becca at first is that she wants to escape. She wants to get away no matter how, actually, no matter how. She's willing to do literally anything to get away, either from her dad, from being forced into a college education, and she just needs to get out. So when she sees an out no matter what it is, she just goes for it.
0: I like that. I think that's that's really interesting because when I was watching it, I was always impressed that she literally like gets to Barden, the first thing she's going to do is set up her equipment. That is like the most important thing. And like I could just imagine her just her escape being, you know, the music and as long as I've got my equipment set up and I can sit there and make mixes, I'm set. Like, I, if I have to be here, I will be here, but I can do what I want to actually do.
1: Exactly. I think music is this escape for her that she doesn't need like, to actually go out to places to feel like she is safe and in her space. But also, I think that's one of the main reasons why she agreed to go into the ballast. Because not only it involved music, that's something very important to her, but also because it gave her an out. The ballasts were her way out of Barden and because of of her dad's proposition. That's one of the, the things that I love the most about the fact that it seems out of character that she agrees to, to get into the ballast, but it's actually not, in my opinion.
0: I like that. I think that's very true, though, is the fact that it does kind of relate to music and... I can see her going for something more related to what her interests are than, say, some of the other clubs that you see at the activities like Quidditch or something. Like, I couldn't see Becca doing Quidditch club.
1: <laughs> I think she would have. If she had embraced her nerd side more, I definitely would have gone into Quidditch club. I would. <laughs> I think that's amazing. And, and one of the things that I find the most intriguing about the activities fair scene is that we don't have this here in Brazil. The first day in college, mainly because we don't actually move into the college. Most of people who go to college, they like live at home and they go to campus and stuff. But also because we don't actually have these clubs that set up tents and they want to make you join them. We each go into our course, like I did history and my my brother is doing psychology. So we already have this set group of what we're going to do. And we discovered the things within the college while we're there, like during our first semester and stuff like that. So the activities fair for me, it was like a very foreign moment. Like what is happening here? Why are there so many people out there? doing this nutty stuff because like british and synchronized lady dancing to a mariah carey chart toppers like dude no these things are safe for like the four walls that you're allowed to do that and they're just out there in the open doing it so i i think like becca i would be like oh my god what's happening here i think that's a good point though because we have a kind of
0: activities fair in unis here, but it's nothing quite like what you see in the Pitch Perfect movie. Like it will be a few days after you've moved in or something, and then they'll have like a hall where they have all the booths and you can kind of see what everybody's got to offer. You kind of get some of the clubs. They, they'll they have like, you know, the volleyball or or whatever, um, but then you'll also get a lot of local businesses coming down to give you like vouchers. And really, when I went to the activities fair here, it's just about getting as much free stuff as you could in like the space of your visit.
1: I, I think if she got free stuff, Becca wouldn't have been so wary of the activities fair. She would. She might even have gone there on her own, not like using it as an excuse. But That's no, true. she just went to to get away from her father. I mean, if you get free stuff, you've got to
0: make it worth your while. So like, it's well, exactly. well worth it. To be fair as well, I did wonder this because I was like, was anybody giving away free stuff? I did notice on the Bella's booth that they had a bowl with like sweets in it. Whether or not they were giving them away,
1: I don't know. But it's like... It doesn't look like they were giving it away because like every girl that stopped there, they didn't get any candy. Becca didn't like grab a handful and shove it in her pocket or like Fat Amy didn't say anything about it. And I feel like she would have said something about it. (laughs) And and, Baloney Barber, I understand she was mad, but like nobody did anything. So I'm like, why was it there? Was it like for Aubrey and Chloe? We don't know.
0: <laughs> Maybe they just needed a little bit of a sugar boost, you know, during the yeah. uh, during the day. De-
1: Aubrey definitely did it. <laughs> she needed the boost. Yes.
0: <laughs> to be fair, I do think that if Becca had gone for the ball, I think Aubrey might have killed her.
1: Like, <laughs> might have just cut off her hand. <laughs> At the activities there, is there a group that you would have joined? Definitely. The the Quidditch Club, as I have said, because I'm like this huge Harry Potter fan and just I'm very nerdy myself. So like no problems with embracing my nerd side and like going for the Quidditch. But I think we also see like a feminism book that I would also have been interested in because I'm very into Stuff like that. It's um, a line of thought that I studied a lot in college, so it's very important to me. So I think that I would have gone there too. I didn't but see I'm, that
0: booth. I booth.
1: Totally yes, didn't. I'm not sure about the other ones, because we see journalism and we see the fraternities. I'm not really into that stuff.
0: As dedicated I was to this episode, I like went through watching it, trying to pinpoint all of the different clubs that I could see. There like loads of booths that I couldn't tell what they were, but exactly. some of them that I could pick out obviously had the four a cappella groups that were all there in
1: some way. To take a look, the only groups who have like an actual booth that people can apply for are the Bellas and the the Madonna singing group. The the rest uh, they're just hanging on the quad singing. Yeah, the, the, the harmonics. The yes, the BU harmonics. The high notes
0: made me laugh, though, because they literally have a sign attached to a tree and they're just all led there.
1: (laughs) Yes, I love the high notes, actually. I think they're very, like, they suffer a lot. They should be included in more stuff.
0: Some of the other booths that I saw was the Korean Student Association, which we saw Kimmy Jin go to. Then Dudes with Ponytails, I thought was a good one. (laughs)
1: Yes, I think that would have been very popular at my college because, like, there were a lot of dudes with ponytails, a lot. A lot <laughs> the of <man> them. Bun. <laughs> yeah, my brother is a, is a fan of the man bun. He, he rocked the man bun. So I think he would have gone into that one too.
0: One that we do need to mention is the RIAC club running in a circle club.
1: Oh my God, that always made me laugh. The first time I saw it, I was like, what is happening? Why are they running? And then when I became a fan and started re-watching and I noticed the name, I was like, it's not possible. That can't be all they're doing, but it is. <laughs> that is literally all they're doing. Sometimes we think, oh, okay, so it's just like something funny for the movie, but you never know, it may be something that actually happened. A club that some guy actually saw it in college, so we don't know. That is true. I mean, I get
0: the impression you could literally make a club about anything (laughs) almost. Yeah. They did have a look like quite a few members to the Running in Circle Club as well. So it clearly is popular.
1: (laughs) Exactly. A lot of people enjoy running in circles. I
0: mean, it could have been Becca's fallback option if nothing else pulled through. I, agree. Be... I don't
1: think her father would have, like, <laughs> been opposed to her running in circles because she would be, like, getting an exercise in or something. That is
0: true. Like, that's the only downside. I don't know if Becca would put herself in that much physical activity, but, you know. Yeah, I, I think
1: it, it had to be a paid off. Like, for the balance, did, she did the cardio because she got to sing. But like for the Running in Circles one, I don't think she would have. <laughs> I do
0: want to know who came up with that club, like for the movie or something. Was this something
1: that somebody actually saw at their college or like? Yeah, me too, because I don't know if you've read the script for the movie, but it doesn't mention a lot of clubs there. It mentioned the Korean Association one and the Bellas and the, the, the other a cappella groups. But I think that what we see in the scene is actually something they came up while they were setting up for the movie. And I don't know how did they come up with all those lame clubs.
0: You don't know if they're lame? Maybe somebody really likes running in a (laughs) circle.
1: Yeah, to be fair, I think like I'm calling them lame. And I know that some people will probably think, well, Quidditch is lame. And I'm like, okay. Fair have enough. you ever
0: have you ever played Quidditch? Only in my dreams. I have played Quidditch that you can play in a team, and it is the most bizarre thing I have ever done. They didn't have broomsticks, they just used like hockey sticks oh as the God. broomsticks. It was
1: so bizarre and it, slightly it, lethal. Yes, you need to have a lot of coordination because you're running around holding the stick and you have the ball and people can tackle you. Yeah,
0: or you get hit by a bludger, which is not that fun. But like...
1: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like fun at all.
0: <laughs> but at least you get to kind of live your Harry Potter dreams, you know, so yes,
1: it that... kind of works. And it's something that I love about the The fandom because it allowed me to live my Harry Potter dream because it was the first fandom I was like, Oh my God, I can see my idea for a Harry Potter. Are you working with those girls? And it did, it was amazing. So
0: since it just popped in my head, Harry Potter, which house do you put the ballers in?
1: I have some very controversial <laughs> opinion on this. Uh, everybody I talk to, they're like, no, you're wrong. Only one person agreed with my placement of the ballers because i as a ravenclaw myself see becca as a ravenclaw oh, that's and quite different. Like, yeah people, I, I even had a friend saying she's a hufflepuff i was like no she's a ravenclaw and i can prove it and actually i had a friend who i was talking to and he was like oh i'm on the fence about putting back on Slytherin or ravenclaw and i was like let me give you my presentation about why Becca should be a Ravenclaw. And then I I presented him with my opinions and the posts to back that up, because that's the kind of person I am. And he was like, "Okay, I'm convinced. So I managed to convince two people that Becca is actually a Ravenclaw. And I see Chloe as Hufflepuff, obviously. And uh, let me see Emily as a Hufflepuff, too. Aubrey is a Slytherin, Stacy, Ravenclaw, Jessica, actually, I think they can fit in any house, but I love to put them in either Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw. I think that's just hilarious for them. Lily, I see as a Ravenclaw as well. I right. Yeah, the weird vibe she gets, she gives me a lot of Ravenclaw vibes. And Fat Amy, Gryffindor, of course. Cynthia Rose, also Gryffindor, I, I see her a lot as a Gryffindor. Who am I missing? Flo, Flo I see as a Hufflepuff as well, or Ravenclaw, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about her, it depends on what I'm writing. If I'm riding her a certain way, I will put her in Hufflepuff, or if I'm riding her with another side, I will put her in Ravenclaw.
0: I think Aubrey's an interesting one because I see a lot of people do put her in Slytherin or I see her in Slytherin or Gryffindor. It's either one or the two. They kind of flip. I don't
1: like to put my favorite in Gryffindor because to me, Gryffindor is the house of the stupid because they're <laughs> just reckless and they, they don't think things through, And that annoys me profoundly. So I don't think Aubrey would have put up with that. I don't think she would have. So I always tend to put her and Slytherin, or I read of a fic once, actually, the fic that made me realize I could, I could put the Bellas in the Harry Potter universe was this fic where actually Chloe was a Gryffindor and Becca and Aubrey were Ravenclaw. And it was amazing. It was so in character. And I was like, okay, I can see the aspects that would make this person put Aubrey in Ravenclaw. But uh, to me, she's mostly a Slytherin. I like that. I love
0: it. You've clearly thought about this a lot, like to really kind of get the characters and where they
1: would go, because I think it's so tricky. I had a chart somewhere in here. (laughs) I, I put up a long time ago with a couple of friends that I was talking about while I was writing my own Harry Potter. And I was like, okay, so what's your opinion on this and this and this? And I had like a whole thing set up for them. I don't know where it is anymore, but it used to be here. I put a lot of thought into this.
0: I love it. That's fantastic. Especially because you have to really get the characters to figure out where their personalities lie.
1: Yes, yes. And it's easier to do that with Becca because she's like one of the main ones. And to me, it's also easy to do that with Aubrey. Because to me, she's very clear on what's happening with her. So you get to understand where she's coming from and why she's doing what she's doing. With the other ones, you just have to read the script and take on your imagination to like, oh, I want to give a shout out to this personality trait. So I'm going to use this to base my whole character on.
0: Mm, Yeah, it must be quite true, especially Jessica and Ashley, like you don't have a lot to go there.
1: Yes, exactly. In any way at all, like in all of the movies, you're like, what am I going to do with these two people? It's actually freeing because you can put them anywhere, but also it's kind of hard when you want to nail their personality.
0: Yeah. Well, fair play to you for like figuring it all out. I don't know if I could do it. (laughs) I did a tweet the other day just seeing which clubs they'd want to join. So I had a few people, I had Gabby who said, she said the Death Jews seem like fun, all the Bellas, just
1: for the women though,
0: I can't sing. So like, fair play.
1: I I can relate to that. I would also like, "Mm, maybe I should join the Bellas just to hang out with beautiful women, but I can't sing at all. That's the
0: only downside, isn't it? (laughs) And uh, Carba in Space on Twitter said, I would only qualify for the RIAC Club, the running in a circle club. She, she would want to
1: run in circles.
0: I mean, hey, each to their own. If that's the only club you can do, at least you can do one of them, you know?
1: Yes, exactly. So. I think that that's amazing to be able to join any club at all. And plus,
0: I don't think running for inner circle club is for the faint hearted. I mean, you're gonna get very dizzy.
1: So. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I get dizzy fairly often, so I wouldn't be able to join it.
0: <laughs> We've seen like all these clubs at the Activities Fair. This is like when we get to like really see the a cappella groups in their element at Baden yeah. University because we see them on stage, but it's not until this moment that you actually kind of see them in the context of the whole
1: Baden yeah, University. their natural space, so to speak. Yeah. I was focusing on Becca when I was rewatching it last night, because you can see she's amused by the activity sphere. She's like, oh my God, everything is so lame. I'm just here to escape my father. And then she see the deaf Jews thinking they're DJ club. And then she's, she gets super serious and she's like, oh my God, this is it, I'm going to do it. And then Fat Amy crushes her dreams and tells her it's deaf Jews and she's like oh damn it and then she you see that she's more subdued after that she probably still thinks it's lame but she's like not laughing at everyone anymore and i think that's why she stops at the bella's booth i think it's kind
0: it's of hmm. interesting as well because when she gets to the deaf jews like she like perks up it's like oh i found something of interest maybe i can make this work for me here at baden yeah and like obviously it's not what she thinks it is and like fat amy comes over and that's like the first time you really get to see fat amy in in the pitch perfect movies is when she kind of comes in the activities fair and you just see becca like slide away after like just just subtly like leaving
1: yeah and one thing i i I don't I'm not a fan of Fat Amy, but I like to see her interactions in the activity sphere because you can see Aubrey likes her. Aubrey really likes her. And Chloe is actually on the fence about her. Chloe is like, Oh my god, you're kind of cringe, what am I doing? And Aubrey's like super intrigued by this bold personality. And she's like, Okay, I will see you at auditions. And with Becca, she's not like that. We don't know why. I don't understand why she likes Fat Amy so much, but not Becca.
0: I think that's an interesting thing to notice, though, because I think just before we we see Fat Amy, they're talking about, like, the type of people they want to get. There's not many times in the movie where you get Chloe being negative. And you get that one comment when, like, they're stressing out about getting recruits, and I think Chloe makes a comment of, like, well, you put us into this mess. Clearly, like... Aubrey at some point could just rub you the wrong way and she just had uh, to have a little bit of a dig.
1: I love the Activity Sphere as well because it's the first time I've said this enough times, I think *Pitch Perfect is a friendship movie. It's not about Becca and Jessie, it's not about the troubles, it's about the Bellas. And even if I didn't ship a Chloe, if their chemistry wasn't right, like it is for me to ship them, I think that i would have still loved the movie because it's about the friendship and it's the first time we get to see these three main friends interacting like aubrey and chloe and becca interacting not only as people but interacting with each other and we can see so clearly their personalities you see that aubrey is very high strong and that she's holding everything so so tight inside of her, trying to uphold the Bella's tradition. And we kind of actually get to see what the Bellas were about, the old Bellas, actually, because Aubrey talks about what they should do, eight, eight girls with bikini-ready bodies, and then we see Baloney Barb, and we see that she's not a bad-looking person, and she probably can sing, but they didn't let her join because of her boots, like, <laughs> what kind of standard is this, you know? And you see that the, we kind of get this glimpse of how ridiculous the old ballast tradition was. And that's what Aubrey clinging so tight onto. And so I realized this yesterday that I project a lot onto Chloe because she's my favorite character. And you can see that she's a people pleaser. She's there to soften Aubrey's edges and she's there to try and get the group together. She's the one who, who talks about trying to get just good singers, not good singers with good bodies. You can see that Aubrey accepts that, but to a certain point. That's why I think she rejects Becca so instantly because she can see that Becca will not conform to any type of thing she wants to put the Bellas in. She can see that she can try with Fat Amy, but I don't think she sees that she can try with Becca. And Chloe is not caring for that at all because you see that she lights up when she sees Becca. She's like, oh my god, I think that she just sees this whole mess of opportunities that she can give the Bellas. And that's why she's so intrigued by by Becca because, I don't know, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I think that's but... such
0: a key moment, though. Like, that yeah. moment when Chloe sees Becca for the first time. And, like, it's interesting because throughout the whole scene of the activities fair, you flip between Chloe being stressed to Aubrey being stressed, and they kind of bounce off of each other of who's the most stressed at whichever point. And at that point... Chloe just lights up and she just like homes in on this person that's just meandering through the fair.
1: Aubrey notices that. You can see the Aubrey sees Chloe's reaction to Becca and she's like oh my god this is trouble. I'm losing my partner. I'm losing my person. I'm losing the person who's supposed to hold me together. And I think that's also one of the reasons why she hates Becca because Becca pulls Chloe away from her and she needs Chloe to hold her together because when Chloe starts to stress out, when she says, this is a travesty. And One of my favorite lines. Like, yes, I love it. I love when she says that. And Aubrey's like, pull it together because I'm freaking out. You can't freak out while well, I'm freaking out. We have to take turns. And with Becca there, they can take turns. Chloe will be far away and Aubrey will be freaking out by herself. And you can see that Becca is struck by Chloe's words. She can't pull away. She she just like stares wide-eyed at Chloe while she's talking with such passion about a cappella. Something that Becca clearly thinks it's so lame, but she can't pull away because the way Chloe talked about it, she's like, I think this person cares as much about music as I do. And I love I th- that. Yeah, I think that. Becca is like, oh my God, I need to back down because this is lame and I don't want to do this, but I can't say no to this person. And she doesn't say no to Chloe. She just says, she lies. She says, I can't sing, which is not true. We know that. It's the first time we see it's actually canon that Becca can't say no to Chloe
0: i love that that's i haven't really thought about that but like yeah yeah, that's she doesn't say no to chloe it is just like oh i can't sing that's so interesting
1: yes and aubrey's like i'm seeing these two idiots fall in love right before my eyes and i don't like it i don't appreciate this i need my best friend back she immediately rejects becca and actually i think that Aubrey and Beck are very much alike. They have this bold personality. They're very focused. They go after what they want, and they don't look back while doing it. Like they don't care about what's happening outside as long as they can continue on their goal. And I also think that's why they butt heads so much throughout the movie, because each of them has their own vision of what the balance should be. And they don't want to let it go. They don't want to give up control, and Chloe is just stuck in the middle of them. She really is (laughs) trying to please Becca and trying to calm down Aubrey. We don't get to see Chloe being herself. We only get to see her being herself in these little moments when she freaks out, when she gets sad, when Becca lashes out at her at semifinals, and when she fights with Aubrey. And I know a lot of people say that like, oh my God, Pitch Perfect 2, they completely botched Chloe's personality, but I don't think so. I think that's a natural development of Chloe's personality. We don't get to see it much on Pitch Perfect 1, but we get to see a lot of it on Pitch Perfect 2. And I love it because I think the Chloe that it's completely insane in Pitch Perfect 2 is the one that's melting down saying it's a travesty she just doesn't have a meltdown right there and then because Aubrey doesn't let her. And in Pitch Perfect 2, Aubrey's not there to hold her together. So she kind of falls apart. That's so interesting. I think that's very true. Like
0: Between Chloe and Aubrey, they kind of balance each other quite a lot. And it's kind of interesting looking at the scene with Becca, there and, and Chloe trying to get her to join the balance because she goes through this whole kind of selling process of trying to like all these excuses, all these reasons why you should join the balance. But the one that really hits home was the last reason that she oh. gives. And for me, that was like, that was Chloe in her pure essence right there, because yes. it's this also the reason why she's so stressed in Pitch Perfect 2. Obviously she wants to win and everything, but it goes down to that very pure basis of her love for the bellas and and why they do it
1: it's different for aubrey and chloe the reason why they want to to go back to lincoln center because aubrey wants redemption she just wants to prove that she can do it and that she's good at being in charge and that she can get the ballast to where they deserve to be because they be- she believes in the ballast and she believes in them as an institution and she believes they can go there again. And she needs to be the one who gets them there because she was the one who didn't let them win last time because of Puket. But to Chloe, it's not about winning at all. She believes that they can win as well, but it's her dream. The Bellas are her family, and she don't want to see her family fall apart. And actually in Pitch Perfect One, her only Bella family is Aubrey. She only has Aubrey and she needs to find these other eight girls to build up the rest of her family. And she doesn't want to do it with girls who like reject other girls because of their boots. She wants to do it with girls that are real, right? I think both selling points, both from Aubrey and Chloe are very compelling because in the activities fair, you can actually see that Aubrey isn't just a blind dictator. You can see that she wants redemption and she wants to take the troubles down. And who wouldn't like with bumper and chart, there's such, you know, dick <laughs> and you want them to to fail and you don't want to see them succeed and i kind of relate to aubrey in that scene because like okay i see where you're coming from and i want to believe that you will get what you want so i don't hate aubrey at all and it's from the start because of the activities fair scene and you can see that while Chloe wants to support that. Chloe wants for them to win and she wants to give Aubrey her redemption. She also just wants her family back. And I can relate to that because my friends are also very important to me. I treat them like my family. I just want them to be happy. Of course, winning is good. Winning is always good. But it's also not the main point like it is for Aubrey.
0: And just that one line that Chloe gives helped turn our dreams into reality and the way she looks at Becca at that <laughs> moment.
1: How could it you breaks say breaks my heart every time <laughs> she says that. I'm like, oh, oh, I can't. And you can see that Becca falls for that. She's yeah. like, oh my God, I'm falling for it. I need to back down. And then she spouts that lie. That's clearly a lie. And she just backs down but she doesn't say no it's about the voice and about the eyes for me I think that Chloe has that power over Becca because she can not tear her eyes off those beautiful shining blue eyes filled with hope asking for help begging for Becca's help and like that soft voice talking so passionately about music and it's something that Becca can relate to this passion about music she wants to say yes but she she backs down at the last second
0: I do think it's quite impressive because during that whole interaction like you said before Aubrey and Becca are very similar and I think what is interesting because Aubrey takes an immediate dislike to Becca, and I think part of that is just the fact that Becca kind of represents everything that she doesn't want to happen like she wants to keep to the tradition of the Bellas and she's got this straight path that she's trying to stick to and the you know whether it's the way the girls look or whatever else and she's kind of focused on this path that she's going to take and then she sees this girl that's looks like a rebel who doesn't want to stick by the rules like With and although
1: they hair and spanky and she's like this girl will never be able to fit in that flight attendant uniform i have (laughs) hanging in my closet
0: becca doesn't even speak and aubrey's already like oh i i don't know no no no. and throughout the whole interaction you've got aubrey and chloe trying to sell this to becca and chloe is able to just keep her cool through the whole thing
1: you can see actually that aubrey doesn't want to sell it for becca She's like, don't tell her all the awesome stuff the the Bellas do. Tell her it sucks. I don't want her here. And then Chloe doesn't listen to her, obviously. You can see that Becca is actually, she's not afraid of Aubrey. I think that's very interesting. I think she's just, oh my God, this girl would be so fun to torture. <laughs> I think that's very
0: true, though, because... So, one of the things I was thinking when you watched that scene, and, and obviously Chloe's trying to sell this, and then Becca's like, sounds pretty lame. And like, do we think that Aubrey is like jumping in to just help Chloe out, or is it defending a cappella?
1: I don't think she's trying to help Chloe out at all. I think she's trying to defend a cappella, yes. But she's trying to defend not because she wants Becca to join, but because she's just ready to fight, you know, anyone who this is the thing that got her through college. The thing that made her find a good friend because I think Aubrey and Chloe are good friends, despite the way that Aubrey treats her during the movie. She won't allow anyone who like dismisses her her whole life actually like that. So no, she's not trying to help Chloe at all. She's trying to just defend acapella
0: yeah i think that really sums up aubrey and becca's relationship then that scene does it so well because of their interaction is because aubrey is so like a purist of acapella and it's like like you said it, it is part of it's a big part of her life and what she loves to do and you have this girl here that's just like one line of like that's pretty lame and it's like she sees red and like that's it. She's not holding any punches anymore. I mean, even the point where like Chloe has to like almost hold her back because she's worried of what Aubrey could do.
1: And, and you- it's actually a good parallel with Beach Perfect too, when you see Becca is ready to pounce on Commissar, like punch her. And Chloe has to literally <laughs> hold her down.
0: Poor Chloe, she's always holding
1: the, <laughs> the captain's back. <laughs> <laughs> I never even like saw that parallel before. That's amazing. Yeah, and once again, you can see that Beck and Aubrey are so similar, right? And and they're passionate about what they love. They just have a problem seeing the bigger picture.
0: What I love about that scene with the activity fair is that. Becca knows that she's rubbing Aubrey up the wrong way. Like, you could see it. She
1: does it on purpose (laughs) to keep pushing Aubrey's buttons. And I think one of the reasons why she agreed, like, she's obviously baffled that she got into the balance because Aubrey clearly hates her. But I think she keeps doing things on purpose to rub Aubrey in the wrong way.
0: <laughs> it's the it's the smirk. It's the smirk that gets me every time. Just like she's yeah. looking, and like she knows what she. And I think Chloe knows what she's doing as well. But Aubrey's just too far gone to realize it.
1: If Chloe wasn't such a people pleaser, I think she would have like either punched Becca in the stomach with her elbow, or like pinch her to like shut up. <laughs> I don't want to you doing this anymore because. Whenever Becca gets Aubrey in a bad mood, Chloe is the one who has to handle it. And it's exhausting.
0: That's such a good point. Like, poor Chloe. She's she's having to deal with a lot of stuff. Here. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> even at that point, Aubrey's already highly strung because she's the captain. Because of what happened, they've lost all the other Bellas. And we and see people- at the beginning of the movie the fact that... The, Alice was like, I don't think you can do this, but you're now the captain.
1: Yes, and I think that she knows that she will only get freshmen to join the ballast. She knows she won't be able to get any other girls because they were all there to see what happened. They were all there to see how the ballast treated the girls and how what happened with Aubrey and why the ballast didn't win. So I think what's stressing Aubrey the most is that, is that her pool of choice is very small. There aren't many people she can choose from. She can see that the, the amount of freshmen isn't good because she sees Fat Amy and she sees Becca and she's like, oh my God, these girls won't help me at all.
0: It is a learning point for Aubrey just for the fact that she has these standards for the ballers and I think it's a realization of actually... I'm probably not going to be able to get eight super hot girls with bikini ready bodies who can harmonize with perfect pitch. Like you don't have a whole lot of options to you. So you're going to have to go with what you can. and, And like, maybe you don't see her taking on Chloe's advice of just getting good singers, but at least when Fat Amy comes along, she seems more open to the idea.
1: I think that's the way she shows Chloe that she's listening to her. She's like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, okay, let's listen to this girl and let's ask her to be at auditions. It's not like let's listen to her, let's talk to her. It's like she hands her the flyer and she asks her to be at, at auditions. So she's like telling Chloe in her own way, like I'm listening to you, I'm doing what you told me, just bear with me for a second.
0: I think the interesting thing with Fat Amy is Fat Amy's just like literally herself, and she's very unapologetically her. And I think, whilst Becker's the same in some ways, it's almost like she respects Amy because of that.
1: Yes, definitely. Because I don't think that, at least in my opinion, I don't think any of the girls are themselves within the Bellas at first, like we see Aubrey and we see Chloe, and they're not themselves. Because Chloe is not that subdued version of herself that doesn't really speak, doesn't have a voice. No, we know she has a bubbly personality and she goes after what she wants. That's what we see in the shower scene, that she goes after what she wants and she doesn't stop until she gets it. And we don't see that within the the first minutes of the ballast. We don't see that in that first performance or in the activity scene. And Aubrey is not that high strung. She's actually a very cool person, in my opinion. I think she has a lot of interesting opinions. She's very much intelligent. She's a smart girl. And she has loads and loads of potential. She just doesn't handle pressure well. That's why everything with Bill Gates happened. And that's why the Bellas, at first, don't like her very much. But you can see that they keep coming back to rehearsals. Because at least me, if I don't like a person, I'm not going to force myself to keep hanging out with her, no matter what kind of pledge I took. And you can see that the Bellas keep coming back and it's not for Chloe because Chloe doesn't really have a voice within the Bellas at this moment. It's because despite everything, I think that Aubrey shows a good personality. She's a bad leader, no questions asked, but she's not a bad person. I think that's what the Bellas see in her.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point and, and like you said, she's so dedicated to the Bellas and and she just really doesn't handle stress well. She's got all these things to add to them. And like you said, the Bellas keep coming. Like they clearly enjoy being part of this group, otherwise they wouldn't do it in to some extent, but you see all these moments in Pitch Perfect One where the stress gets too much. She's got to stand up and deal with all this stuff that's happening, whether it's performance or anything else. And she's the leader. So that adds stress on as well. And so it, it brings out this, this side to Aubrey that is not necessarily the best side because of all the stress she's under.
1: At the activities fair, actually, we see the three main characters, as I mentioned, Becca, Aubrey, and Chloe, and we see the way they complementalize. like they're all holding themselves together. Aubrey holds herself together by becoming this really high-strung person who has to hold everything within her hands and can't allow herself to lose control. Becca flees. Becca runs away every time. That's her main way of compartmentalizing. And Chloe shuts down. Chloe just, she becomes silent. And I relate to that because I also become silent when I'm compartmentalizing. And Aubrey yells. Becca also yells at some point. She yells and runs. But Chloe never yells. Chloe is always silent. And I think that at least to me, it adds so much depth to her character because she becomes so sad, I think. People who go silent when they're mad are sad. It shows up every time I write Chloe, every time I, I write from her point of view. She becomes sad somehow. I don't know what happens. It's supposed to be a happy fic and then it adds some sadness. It's not like full-out angst, but it's always a hint of sadness within her that I can detect.
0: That's so interesting, especially the fact that you see the three three main characters and that interaction shows so much between them. Yes. I love how you like summarize that with all three of them.
1: Yeah, because like I said, I think the movie is about them. I think, yes, we have a lot of other characters. We have Benji. I love Benji. We have Jesse. I like him less, but like the movie is about the Bellas, and they're the three main Bellas. So it's interesting that we get to see them so much, and they interact a lot with each other. And I guess that's the focus that that's the thing we should focus on the movie, and that's the thing I focus on when I rewatch to try and get their voices back to right.
0: So, question: Have you ever done mer dancing?
1: No, I never, never have. I can't dance at all. I don't dance. I have zero rhythm. Even mermaid dancing, I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, I mean
0: that whole scene with Fat Amy, it seems fairly normal. And then like you like Rebel Wilson, you don't like Rebel Wilson. She's a bit of a Marmite actress, but she's very good at the deadpan face. Like She can do the comedy with just like a straight face and there's one of the things I love about that Amy is she's almost completely serious whenever she says anything and that whole scene looks fairly normal like it's a normal interaction and then they you know the harmonizing and then it just starts getting a little bit weird as it yes. carries on and it gets weirder and weirder till you get to the murder dancing
1: i love the the deadpan face too because it's something that i appreciate as a, a comedy you're right. you're like, okay, so it's a movie about music, they're matching pics. Okay, so far it's normal. And then she goes on with the harmonizing by herself, and then she goes into dancing. Okay, so she's talking about the way she danced, okay, the types of dances, and then she drops on the floor and starts to like what is happening? You're like, and she does it with a straight face and it's really weird i love this movie so much because it's so weird <laughs> i
0: mean we even get a demonstration of her dancing to be
1: fair. yes because if she just talked about it we would be like okay so it's i don't know she's making up some sort of dance but then she does it and you're like oh my gosh she's actually doing this dance and i can bet anything that she does it often at the bella's house Like she tries to teach Emily to do the mermaid dancing and they, they have like contests where she always does the mermaid dancing. It's all in my head.
0: To be fair, like, I mean, it's probably like a good way to do your dancing. If you don't want to do too much cardio, Yeah, you know, you're, you're let down. The only thing is you might need to like work on your core muscles a little bit, you know,
1: (laughs) You, you might want, I don't know, something soft to drop down on. Not like on the cold, hard ground, but yeah, it could be a good workout, you'll never know. I could totally imagine like
0: at the Bella's house when they're <laughs> having a house party or something and just Amy like whipping out the mer-dancing at some point.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: One person we've like talked a little bit about, we haven't gone too deep into is Baloney Barb.
1: i I love her okay i i have really a lot of feelings about baloney barb because she should show up more often i would love to hear her sing well she does sing
0: in the riff off oh yeah on the riff off really good
1: voice she's yes and i think she only goes into the bu harmonics because they're the ones who will allow her
0: who She's will just let her in? Spiting the Bellas at this point.
1: Yes, exactly. But I think she should have given the Bellas a chance because I think she would have been a wonderful addition to the Bellas. And she would have paired up with Becca in antagonizing Aubrey. <laughs> Most probably that's a good point. <laughs> they would have they she would have so much fun. She would be like to wait, she would be able to torture Aubrey. She would have so much fun. Obviously,
0: Baloney bar comes with a hot like. That is a memorable scene in in a number of ways. I mean, like you can't unsee it's that when you see it. Showing off
1: her boobs.
0: But you're like, but she's gonna be wearing the flight attendant outfit. So what's the issue here,
1: like? Exactly. <laughs> I don't understand. But then you think about what did the Bellas used to do for fundraisers? Oh, bikini washes. Right. And then okay, so maybe her boobs. I don't agree with that, but like maybe Alice thought her boobs wouldn't fit well on a bikini. And I don't know, it's all very stupid. I think we need justice for baloney barb. (laughs)
0: Justice for baloney barb, here we go.
1: (laughs) Yes, let's start this hashtag.
0: (laughs) So do we think that it was the previous Bellas that she had an issue with? Or do you think Chloe and Aubrey
1: were involved in that as well? No, I definitely think it's the old Bellas because we can see that very much like Aubrey, Alice has the group like in a tight hold. They're not allowed to have opinions. So even if like Chloe thought that Baloney Barb's boobs were different, she agreed that they weren't like, they wouldn't be able to fit a bikini well. I don't know what Chloe thinks because she calls her Baloney Barb. Obviously, something that catches on within the ballas. I don't see Chloe as being this mean person who, who like, says mean things about people, especially about their bodies. Aubrey, I just don't think she cares enough. Oh, like, her boobs are weird. I don't think Aubrey cares about that. I think the thing she cares about is that, oh, she wasn't fit for the ballast back then, so I can't accept her now. That's what she thinks, in my opinion. And that's why she's not the one who asks Bologna Barbie to join. It's Chloe. That's true. So she's like, Chloe, don't do it. And you can see that she's kind of relieved that Bologna Barb doesn't agree to join the ballast to at least go to auditions. Chloe doesn't like that very much. That's when she starts to break down. That's when she says it's a travesty. So I just think that Aubrey's issue with her, it's the previous balance, not Baloney Barb per se.
0: It's also kind of interesting because when the whole interaction happens between them and Baloney Barb whips, you know, her jacket off, and <laughs> Chloe, she's looking anywhere but at Baloney Barb at that point. She's just like, I am not here right now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> she knows that if she sees the, the boots she was like she would like make a face (laughs) because she can see they're not like i don't know what they did did they they put something in her bra i don't know what happened because it does have a weird shape if you look at it i don't know was looking that hard to be honest (laughs) let's say it wasn't either uh (laughs) but it does have a weird shape and aubrey you can see that aubrey just doesn't care just like I don't care about you at all, I just don't think you're you're supposed to fit the the ballads that I am envisioning, and that's why she doesn't want Balloon Barb. But Chloe just she doesn't care.
0: So one thing that I always find really interesting with Pitch Perfect, and it really kind of starts here at the activities fair, is this whole play on the whole world of acapella that we get this kind of view into. And they kind of premise it, or or they use Benji to like introduce us to the world of a cappella. And uh, he says something along the lines of, "These are the kings of a cappella. You know, if you want to be anybody, you've got to be an acapella, unless you're into sports, a frat guy, or something like." It's what being a
1: man is all about. Yeah, that's,
0: that's it. And it's like this is the the highest of the highest. If you can't reach being a sports athlete or you can't reach being a, in a fraternity. Like If you can't get there, this is
1: the next best thing. And Benji knows that he like he can't play sports and he can't <laughs> go into a fraternity. And he's not. It's the, the three categories he says. Being a frat guy, being a sports guy or being actually cool. He knows he isn't actually cool. Nobody who does magic is actually cool. <laughs> So he knows that being in an a cappella group is his chance.
0: I think it's so interesting because it, it paints a cappella or the world of a cappella of being like in the world they're the coolest people ever, but outside of it they're like complete nerds for this this thing that they're into, and people don't really care. But in the world, like you look at the troubles, they had groupies there at the activities there watching them, like they and were the key
1: yeah. <laughs> and I think that I can trace parallels between Benji and Chloe because they see acapella as this dream they're supposed to, they want to live in. Like Chloe is already living it because she's already a Bella and Benji desperately wants it because he knows he can join it. He knows he has a good voice and he does like Ben Platt has this amazing voice. And he just wants to do it. He wants to be in a group of friends singing. That's all he wants and who wouldn't, right? If I could sing, that's all I would want to do too. And I think that's really great that we get to see a cappella through his eyes because it tells us to the point of the movie that we're supposed to think a cappella is cool and we do. Because that is so if, true. Like <laughs> if we see through Becca's perspective, it's like, okay, this is lame. I'm not gonna watch a movie about a cappella because it's idiotic. It's lame. But when you see it through Benji's perspective, you're like, okay, so maybe this is doable. Maybe I can like this too. I love that. Especially because like like you said,
0: at the beginning, like Becca's just like, really? This is this is really lame. <laughs> like yeah. Why? <laughs> and, and Benji is so invested in it Like he mentions the fact that he's been following Bumper for like a few years And just f- that's why okay. he got into magic Was Bumper Bumper was the person that got into magic
1: <laughs> And I hate the way Bumper treats him I hate it oh. because I just want to grab Benji and put him in my pocket And like carry him around forever I think he's precious And Bumper just dismissing him it hurts me. It physically hurts me. Benji is so earnest.
0: Like, he's like such a fanboy at this point. The Trebles have been the group that he's followed and like loved. And or clearly Bump has been at the head of that for a while. And like, it's like, he's just getting ready to meet his favorite group and yeah. like he's so like ready to do it and of course like because it's an a cappella group at this university like he's now there he's enrolled he wants to join the rebels, and he goes up to bumper
1: and bumper <sighs> just keeps knocking him down but then he tries again and it's just like oh he, he thank never you. stops trying actually because then jesse as the terrible friend he is he joins the trebles and like Benji follows them around like a little lost puppy. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) The Bellas appreciate him so much more. He he should have joined the Bellas.
0: Can you imagine? Bellas and Benji.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It would have been amazing. I would love that. And one of the things that made
0: me think of when I was watching this scene, and I was like, it is amazing that in Pitch Perfect 1 and Pitch Perfect 2, we get Benji... Just when he sees something that he's just in awe over, whether it is Bumper and the Trebles, or in Pitch Perfect 2, you have him interacting with Emily, he just struggles to function a little bit. And we get these lovely like breakdowns when he's trying so hard, but it just doesn't quite connect.
1: It's very relatable actually. That's my main reaction too. When I see something that I really care about, I'm just like, awestruck. I can't say words, I I start shaking. And I love that they kept
0: that in Pitch Perfect too when he then meets Emily and and he just like can't even do words. like
1: <laughs> It's so adorable. I usually ship Emily with Aubrey but I, I'm not mad that they put her with Benji. I think that within the context of that movie it made sense. And I it's think it's just
0: adorable. Two awkward nerds. I think that is just a lovely round off of the end of the activity fair with poor Benji. Mm-hmm. You might not like Jesse, but at least he's kind of sees that Benji's crashing and burning and Bumper's just not going to give him an edge. And at least he kind of coaxes Benji away and just be like, okay, let's just go yeah. now because we don't want to keep this going on any he longer. He does
1: that often. He also does that in Pitch Perfect too, and when he gently pushes him away from Emily. Well, one
0: thing I did think of that we haven't talked about yet, which... A lot of people have opinions on or just is something that always makes you wonder with the Bella's booth and we get to see their like, you know, their setup. When they give Becca the flyer and you get to have like, they show you what the flyer looks like. I mean, who do you think actually designed that flyer? Because it is so Chloe, bad. Clearly.
1: Chloe. Chloe. did it. Yes because i don't think aubrey was in the right mindset to put things together i think that chloe did it or that she used an old one from the old bellas she's like oh my god i need to do it and i don't have time i don't know what to do and she's like just rummaging through the the bella's house looking for something to help her and she finds an old one to use i don't know i love the
0: idea that's so good like the idea that they just used an old one because like it looks so dated like this is 2012 11 12 ish like photoshop's around you know you're at a university they would have had computer labs with photoshop
1: or something i have i have this headcanon that chloe doesn't do well with technology (laughs) she doesn't she can't use photoshop she doesn't know how to make like these cute movies. She wouldn't be able to use TikTok <laughs> or, or stuff like that. She, she just, she's just doesn't function that way. So I do think she would have tried to do something in ha- by hand. And I do think that she's like, she would be way too stressed for it, like Aubrey. And she would have needed some help. So she would just get an old one and use it either as a a base, like something to work from, or just like grab random old ones and make copies and hand them out.
0: Because it does look pretty like, you know, they've cut a photo, stuck them on a thing and it kind of looks good. Let's just print that out a number of times. (laughs)
1: Yes, exactly. It's, it's adorable.
0: I mean, even the Bellas booth, like you look at the harmonics and they've got like a proper banner and the Trebles have got a proper banner and the Bellas look like it's been like felt tipped, coloured in. Like it's like...
1: Yes, yes, exactly. I think that they were just crashing and burning at this point and they needed to look at least a little bit put together because as Chloe said, it they're the tits. They're supposed to be the, the cool a cappella group and they just can't. They're just a mess right now. Yeah, and it's
0: just the two of them trying to do everything.
1: Yeah. I was talking to my BFF yesterday, and he was like, just talk about Brit's eyes, because to be honest, that's what inspired him to write a lot of his fits. He wrote a soulmate one, if I'm not mistaken, that when I was talking to him about, he was like, did you know that the activities fair scene was the thing that inspired this thing? And I was like, I have no idea. And he said, yeah, it was Britt's eyes and Britt's face, the way she lights up when she sees back up. And I, I think we covered that pretty well.
0: I think that's why the activities fair hold such a light, because it is, that moment. It is the moment when Becca and Chloe meet each other for the first time. And although Becca seems a little bit more oblivious, Chloe, like you said, just lights up. She, she knows. Chloe
1: knows.
0: Yeah. Chloe knows. Obviously she doesn't know what's going to happen, but it's almost like she sees this person and just knows that they can do so much.
1: And I think that Becca knows deep down. That's why she's struck about Chloe. She looks at her and it's something that you can see every time, like be it in a fic, be it when you watch the scene again, like we did yesterday. And there's even this A.U. that I loved when I first joined the fandom that's Back to Barden. And it's about Becca's future self going back to Barden to make her younger self fall for Chloe. And it focuses a lot, the, the first gift sets on the activities fair, because it's future Becca trying to convince younger Becca to, to go to the activities fair. And she sees that she's not going to get to the Bella's booth. And then she uses the, the frat guys to like reroute her, to make her get to the booth. And then when Becca sees Chloe for the first time, her smile and her face and her eyes, her first thought is, oh, my God, I'm so gay, (laughs) like that's very relatable. That's very relatable. It's something that I think I keep in the back of my mind. And every time I watch the scene, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so gay, too.
0: I love that. And it's, I think that's the lovely thing about this scene is it is that meet cute and the whole idea that you could meet someone the first time you meet them and know that they're important to you in some way.
1: Yeah, I, I don't actually believe in love at first sight, but I do believe that you can recognize a person from whatever other time you've met her at the first sight and you know deep down that they're important. So you may not know why they're so important to you and you, you have to get to know them to get to the point. But like with that first look, that first shared look, you can know something is up. And I think that's what this, this scene is all about for Chloe.
0: Chloe, she looks at Becca as like, you're the one to turn my dreams into reality. Yes. You are the person.
1: And Becca is afraid of what she thinks she knows. That's why she backs down. I love that
0: (laughs) and then when she walks away and chloe's just like uh,
1: it's so sad the way that chloe's faces just falls like she's like i can't believe this girl is walking away we need her
0: and she's almost cringing it's almost like oh aubrey's been proven right like she wasn't going to be interested but i had to put myself out there
1: Yes, and she puts so much of herself out there. She likes, literally, she pours her heart out to Becca and Becca just dismisses it.
0: But in a much nicer way, like she kind of goes out saying it's lame and, and everything, but then by the end, because of Chloe's like plea, she's much nicer about it when she does walk away. Yes, she doesn't say no. That's it. Like that should just be the title of the uh the episode. Beckett doesn't yeah. say no. Like, they said. so obviously we know that later on they're going to meet each other again and this is going to continue a thing. But they have this, you know, a few second interaction and they walk away from each other. Do you think they would have thought about each other from that moment before
1: this shower scene happened? I think that. Chloe's eyes haunt Becca's dreams until they meet again. That's something I know deep down in my heart that Becca sees Chloe's eyes in her sleep. Because they're so shiny. They're awfully blue. I, I often look at a Brittany Snow picture and I'm like, she can't be real. Her eyes can't be real. And they are. And I think that same feeling haunts Becca because she's like, she may have blacked out. She may not remember anything that Chloe said, but she remembers the eyes and she remembers the soft voice tugging at her heart.
0: I love that. I think that brings everything to a lovely like end right there. She's just going to see the eyes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for like joining me and like
1: looking at the activity. It's been fascinating. Yes. Thank you for letting me just like ramble on about one of my favorite scenes. It's such a key
0: scene, though. And it was just like, oh, it's, there's so much to like unpack and to think about. And you give me so many other things to be like, oh, my word, I want to watch it again now. Just draw that yes, out. Yes, yes. It's very good. So, if, just to remind people,
1: if you wanted to check out your stuff, where can they do that? They can find me at No One But You on Tumblr and Twitter. And if they want to find me on AU3, they can look for Isa Cabral.
0: Lovey, thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. So, taking a look at our fan fiction highlights for this week, starting off with an epic story. This is a 30 chapter roller coaster of a ride. The fic is called A Story of Us by Hypersomniac Grad. This is available on AO3 and on fanfiction.net and the summary says Becca, now a successful artist slash music producer, looks back at the last five years she spent without the Bellas. While all her dreams have seemingly come true, Becca realises she's missing the most important thing of all. Celebrations and an invitation to a special competition bring the Bellas back together, giving Becca the chance she needs to set things right. As I've mentioned, this is an epic 30-chapter fic. If you want a fic where you can just literally delve into it and get lost in this world, and it feels like watching a movie, this is the type of fic to go for. There are ups and downs. The pining in this story is so on point because she's just pining for ages when are they both gonna get there you've got becca and chloe both feeling the same but not quite getting the answers they want and it's just like oh my word come on and you know with a good 30 chapter fic they're gonna draw it out they're not gonna just give it to you this literally does feel like this could be the sequel to Pitch Perfect 3. It's one of those types of stories. There is something quite special about a story that delves into the Pitch Perfect universe and kind of just picks up where it left off and gives you its own interpretation of what could have happened next. And I think one of the nice things about that is that you have this whole history that they can draw upon and kind of weave and use into their narrative and give it its own place, they can have the memories from Barden, from New York and what I loved about this story, it felt really modern because it also weaved in things like love on top and the pandemic and this is all set after that and so you get this lovely really deep look into maybe where the Bellas are in maybe a year or two's time and what could have happened next. It really properly felt, with all of that included, that this was a real follow up from Pitch Perfect 3. And there were even references in there to things like the McChloe kiss and stuff like that. It was like the author was so aware of everything that had gone on and was able to weave it in as a natural on telling point of the story. And it was like acknowledging that all these things had happened and this is how they worked in telling the story moving forward i love the fact that it did include love on top i was like for me that is what happened next it's not a movie but it is the bellas and the next thing they did so i always like to see love on top as that next thing after pitch perfect three just to see it included in a story was a lot of fun and even just like how they weaved in the little references to the book chloe kiss i was like oh so good one of the things I really enjoyed with this story and I thought it was quite interesting was throughout the chapters the author tells the story from different characters points of view so although this is yes it is a but Chloe story it really feels like a proper pitch perfect story because you've got Becca and Chloe and that storyline playing out But the bigger picture is the fact that there is this big competition that brings the Bellas back together. You get that proper Bella feel to this story. The amount of music that is included. And I dread to think how long it must have taken them to find songs and mashups and to visualise how this was all going to work within this story and in the competition. You've got riff-offs and... Not just normal riff-offs, but mash-up riff-offs and all this stuff going on, DSMs there, different teams, and so there are great lengths of the story where they're battling other a cappella groups and whatever else going on, and it lists the songs, and you can go check the songs out because they give you them all at the end of the chapters. And it is like you're reading a Pitch Perfect story. Like, this could be Pitch Perfect for. It's so much fun. And then within that, throughout the chapters, you get things from different Bella's points of view. And it just adds to the telling of what happened next in the story. One of the things I thought was quite endearing was reading different Bella's points of view with how Becca and Chloe are interacting. And their perspective that like stacy getting really like frustrated with their flirting and like where will they just not admit it already or like emily can get little inklings of things and sometimes there's a bit where she's like wondering how chloe can't see it how can she not see that this is all about her all these little moments that just add up not only telling but chloe story but a pitch perfect story and including all of the characters and it really felt that the author had really thought in depth not only about the chloe but like where all of the bellas are in their lives what they're getting up to maybe how the pandemic affected them and like no banner was left out adding to that the tension of the fact that you have this great pining story going on and like when is it going to happen and then This competition whether Bellas want to win, this is like the whole thing. It wouldn't be a proper pitch perfect story if there wasn't a competition where the Bellas had to prove their worth. And who doesn't love a good villain or a big team that you have to defeat? And DSM seems to come in that form yet again. I mean, I'm all here to see DSM get taken down a peg or two quite often. So it was a really lovely uh, to read this story and be like we want to see them win it does make me very tense when you are reading the riff-off stuff though because you're like hmm Bellas are not always the best at riff-offs so fingers crossed they get through this this is the whole thing like you're just rooting for the Bellas the whole way through and then not only are you rooting for the Bellas you're rooting for Becca and Chloe who just can't seem to catch a break half the time it's frustrating because when one of them kind of gets the resolution to reveal their feelings there's always an interruption it's crazy it is quite a fun lighthearted like, story in places but you do get those kind of deep moments where Becca or Chloe kind of want to build up the courage to say something and then reality just kind of hits them and they're dealing with maybe worries or concerns that they have with their busy lives or how they all fit together and they don't want to change anything or upset anything and Especially with where their lives are now and like five years later, how has that affected them and will it change the way in which their story unfolds? So, so much to look forward to. It is a mammoth story, but it is so worth it. The next story that I wanted to highlight this week is called Deceiving Eyes by Alice Case 923. This is available on AO3. And the summary says inspired by the prompt where Becca Mitchell is known for being notorious at work but is a total cheese ball with secret not so secret girlfriend Chloe Beale. Or Chloe is a YouTuber and Becca runs a business empire. They are secretly dating and Chloe's subscribers want to know who she's dating and everyone thinks there's no way Becca's dating Chloe. I was always intrigued with this story because the idea of Becca just being this horrible boss, I almost find it a little bit unbelievable just because she's so short and sometimes when she's angry she also just comes across quite cute. But I have to admit reading into this story I was like man, I would feel terrified if this had happened to me. I don't blame anybody for being upset the way Becca's treating her employees and clearly work is a stressful environment. Obviously as you read through the story you kind of get an insight as to why she is that way and the kind of industry that she's in and holding this empire together and how talented she is kind of making it all move forward. But what I really found quite endearing with the story is you get this insight of Becca being this you get this insight to Becca being this really tough strict kind of boss and then... The contrast is when she goes home to her girlfriend, Chloe, and she's like the sweetest thing ever. Chloe just brings it out of her. Like she's so in love with Chloe Beale. And I thought it was really interesting job roles for them to have because you could imagine Becca has maybe worked up the ranks to have this great business empire that she has. But then to date somebody like a YouTuber who puts their life literally all out there doesn't really hold that much back it was really interesting to see how their dynamics worked very different lifestyles whereas Becca's in an office and in the business all the time like clearly could be anywhere like editing or shooting a video and things like that it also felt quite modern with the way that there's different industries now where yeah you can have a job as a YouTuber and that's a real thing and a following and how businesses might use that or work with influencers and like i could totally see chloe as a youtuber i mean it just kind of works with chloe she has the outgoing personality to make it work but what really just kind of ties this whole story together is the fact that they're secretly dating so there's only like maybe three characters or three people that becca there's only like three people that becca works with that knows that she's dating chloe beale she ends up having to hire this new employee, this new assistant, who ends up being Stacy Conrad, of all people. And of course, Stacy doesn't know that Becca's dating Chloe, and Stacy's a big fan of Chloe Beale on YouTube. And because they're all in the local vicinity of each other, Stacy not only knows who Chloe is, but then bumps into Chloe outside of work and they start having these little interactions on the side and so you have this whole unweaving of the story because you get to see what Chloe and Becca are doing and then you have these little interactions where Stacy's trying to do her job, maybe bumps into Chloe at a coffee shop or whatever and there are things that characters know and there are things that characters don't know The circle is so small but they're all slightly out of each other's circle in some way so it's really fun seeing what characters think are happening or how the storyline for each character overlaps with certain things and this kind of toys around with that throughout the whole story. There's a point in it one of the barristers has kind of interacted with all the characters at one point during the story and misinterprets who's Chloe's girlfriend is because of the interactions and so like not nobody like really knows apart from Becca and Chloe and this all just unravels during the story the overlaps are really fun because you know more than the characters and you're just waiting for them to click all the pieces together They've also just added a second chapter to the story, which I won't go into too much because I don't want to give it away for you. But it just builds on that first chapter and, and what had happened. And it's so fun to kind of see these friendships or relationships growing and then also the confidence that they kind of get as these things start to overlap and become bigger. It wasn't anything that I had expected when I read it and that was what was really fun about it and just seeing all these things happening that don't really click together till the end of the story the final story in our fan fiction highlights this week is called Go Don't Stop Now by Intersex this is available on AO3 and the summary says Becca remembers exactly when she makes the conscious decision to ask Chloe to marry her it's a moment when Chloe's just singing in their apartment and it honestly makes Becca's heart feel so full because Becca knows music and Chloe flows through her life like a song she never wants to end or at least one she wants to put on repeat forever or Becca proposes tries to at least. This is a really cute one shot and I loved this story just for the way that it had broken up all the parts it didn't have to use a lot of words to kind of put across whether these moments or these feelings of these characters especially Becca and what's going on in her mind these actions that are taken and things like that and so it starts off with Becca and she's got this ring and you get little insights as a bit where like Aubrey's trying to coax Becca along and looking out for her best friend Chloe. What I found really endearing about this story was the fact that Becca had come to the conclusion that she was ready to ask this question. And it even mentions in the fic that she feels so lucky that she even gets like this chance because she feels like she's so late in doing it. And then one transpires is that She gets this ring, and it's like the perfect ring for Chloe. She's just got to pop the question. And then, sure, like with a lot of people, they try and make that moment really special. You know, they want it to be memorable. They want it to really express how they're feeling. But what happens in this story is, she tries a number of times to pop the question. But every time, something just goes wrong. Or just steals the moment. And you feel so sorry for Becca because not only do you get her build-up to these moments, but then you also get kind of her frustration and her heart sinking when these moments just don't quite work out. It's so sad. And it's so endearing to see her working so hard. Like, she's got Chloe, they're dating, like, they're girlfriends. But that doesn't stop her from wanting to then make this moment special. What I love is that she doesn't wait too long for the next time to try. It's almost like she's decided, right, I'm doing this. And when the first moment doesn't work, she quickly finds another. So it's not like a really drawn out moment. But you get this whole sense of this desperation in wanting to pop the question. It's almost like there's a certain amount of urgency with like I can't wait anymore like I waited so long before and I don't want to make Chloe wait anymore for me like she's waited long enough for me already and I loved that I loved the whole idea that she recognized she wasn't so oblivious or they were so fearful of getting to the point of being together I don't want to make that mistake again and this is my way of doing that And so this builds and builds from all these little moments when she's trying and maybe doesn't work out or whatever. It continues on until the end of the fic and it's very sweet. It's great to sort of delve into the mind of Becca Mitchell when she's smitten with Chloe Beale and how she just wants to make Chloe her wife. I mean, that is pretty much the fic. It's just such a sweet little story. And the ending I wasn't expecting at all. But it just brought everything together. It was just like, oh, yes, this is so good. Loved it. So good. That's it from me this week. Of course, if you want to support the podcast, we have got our Ko-Fi account now where you can help us keep this running. And we also have... And we are also available on our social media. You can get in contact with us. We're always asking questions, wanting to get your opinion. I love hearing about it. We are on Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. I'll see you next time. Pictures.